0: You really need to shop around because not all banks are going to give you a good deal.
1: Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, as always, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? Excellent. How are you doing, Todd? I am doing fantastic, man. Just uh, another great week, knocking down some deals. So excited. Got a lot of opportunity coming my way. Some deals really, really suck. Uh, <laughs> some deals are okay, and some deals are looking actually really good. So starting to see some good deal flow. Um Mostly actually not in multifamily, some in multifamily. Uh, we, we do have a seller that turned completely dark on us, which is disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy is completely off market deal, no broker involved, uh, which sometimes is is a problem because uh, the sellers, it seems like don't act quite as much when there's no broker involved. And this guy went completely dark on us. Uh, we actually came to his purchase price that he said he wanted And that was it. (laughs) We made the offer, said, Hey, here you go. And he, uh, you know, we, we've talked to him a couple times and and now it's like, okay, where's, where's this thing going? So who knows? You never know. Maybe we'll get it. Maybe we won't. Patience, um, you know, is important here and perseverance, right? We don't want to give up on it. We don't want to stop talking to this guy and assume that we're just got to like, wait for him to make a decision. We want to uh, carefully try to push him towards a decision. So we'll see where it goes, but yeah, a lot, a lot of, a uh, lot of deal flow coming. Um, I don't want to say there's a bunch of home runs cause there's not, uh, but there is deal flow coming and there is opportunity out there for those of you who are like, Oh, I'm not seeing any deals. I'm not seeing any opportunity. You got to start looking harder.
0: Yep, I hear you. I'm having decent deal flow now, but uh, most of the places I'm looking at are are bad deals. So just going through the numbers, keep looking.
1: Yeah, well, at least the deal flow is coming. That's that's a a positive. You know, we had a pretty good stop of deal flow after this pandemic hit. Like nobody, nobody was going to sell their properties. We just had like a complete pause in deal flow there for quite some time, and so just seeing it pick up is really good. We'll see where it goes, where the market takes it, but. Um, at least the deal flow is picked up now. Let's just hope for the deals. Right. Um, all right. So we've been on this apartment series, uh, Matt, what did we talk about last week? So last week we talked about uh, making offers on
0: large multifamily properties. And so suppose you are in the a deal here, you need some funding, you know, you've already kind of pre-raised money from your investors to, of like, who's interested in, in the, you know, participate in your deals, but you're going to need some um, money from the bank to get the deal done.
1: Yeah. You know, I actually, it's let's go back to that money thing. I had somebody say something about like, uh, you know, the, the deal finds the money. And I said, well, look, I actually think it's the opposite. I think the money finds the deal. I think when you have the money, it doesn't have to be your own money, but when you have the confidence that you can raise money, when you have networked with the friends, family network and and built relationships up and know that you can raise, let's say, $5 $5 million or a million dollars or whatever that amount might be, you feel confident. Then when you've networked with other investors and have potential partners that you can come to the table with or actually have those partners uh, and you know combined, you can raise you know, $5 million, $10 million, whatever that might be, you have confidence then when you're coming into a deal that you can actually get the deal done. And when we have to, when push comes to shove and we're getting really competitive and, and it's no longer necessarily price that's going to do it, you know, you're, you're maybe at your max price, you can say, well, look, instead of going up on price, I'm going to offer better terms. So maybe we're going to do a shorter due diligence period, shorter closing. Maybe we're going to put up some earnest money that's going to be, you know, non-refundable after a, a very short period of time, or maybe just the day we sign the purchase and sale agreement. But we've got the confidence because we know we can close. So we need to close by two things. One is the money we bring to the table. That's our equity, right? So that's your money, your investor's money, your partner's money, their, their investor's money. And then the other piece of the pie is we got to have good financing. That's what we're going to talk about today. We want to make sure we have good, solid financing. So money finds deals. Deals don't find the money. Um, uh, that I, I agree firmly with that, right? Yeah. I believe firmly with that.
0: Yeah. I know people who have uh, found good deals, but then, you know, they didn't work on getting the financing or, or, or the funding beforehand. And so they had to let those deals go uh, because of that.
1: Yeah. And I mean, to an extent, the money finds deals, but it's not gonna it's not, it, you know, there's only, only a little bit of that is true. So. Um, all right. So let's talk financing. Then we got this deal, we hooked it, we got it under control. Now we need to make sure we can get this across the finish line. So. First things first, right? When do we want to engage the mortgage broker or the bank?
0: Uh, I would say before you're even uh, looking at deals, you want to have a good relationship built up uh, beforehand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you want to make sure you've talked with several banks, that you've talked with several different mortgage brokers, that you know the products that they have to offer, that you know the strategy that you're coming in with, and you'll understand that, you know, they have what's going to fit your need, right? And that, That's really important. We've got a business plan. We want to get this certain type of financing. Can we actually get that financing in place? Or is that going to be a struggle? Like, can we get this deal financed at all? Maybe we don't have what it takes to get it done. Who do we need to bring in? You know, what type of resources do we need? So absolutely build those relationships first. Yep. So you build those relationships, you got the property on contract. Now what?
0: Oh, well, then you're going to connect with the bank, with your people that you were already talking with at the bank and see, you know, bring them the deal so they can look at it themselves to make sure that they can offer you what you need to be able to close on it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So now we got the deal. We're going to send them our underwriting. We're going to send them the offer memorandum if it was, you know, There was an offering memorandum, but if there wasn't, it doesn't matter. We're going to send them the the T12, the trailing 12. We're going to send them the rent roll, right? We're going to send them our business plan. Uh, You know, you don't need necessarily a super detailed business plan, but if you've got one, send it to them because they would like to know what you're actually doing to the property. It's a lot easier to sell a story when you actually wrote the story, right? When you actually... Are able to tell the story, but if we just got a bunch of numbers and we're sending the lender this pro forma that shows the rents increasing by, you know, three hundred dollars a month, that's going to be hard for them to grasp. Why can you get three hundred dollars a month? But if we actually have a story that we're telling them exactly what we're planning on doing, who's a part of the team, all that kind of stuff, it's going to be a lot easier to get that financing in place, right? So, you want to approach them. And you want to approach your lender as soon as possible, as soon as possible. Don't wait. Be prepared. Understand what you're looking for, but you don't want to wait too long. So I would be approaching them either before or right when you get that purchase and sale agreement signed.
0: And how long does it take for them to come back to you with uh, you know a finalized offer and what they can do?
1: Yeah. So a, a term sheet, um, you know, most lenders will come back to you with the term sheet within a few days, they're going to look at the deal. And again, that depends on how organized you are. Like if you've got everything teed up for them, a nice business plan, really nice package, looks, it looks well represented and put together. It's going to be easier for them to get through the underwriting and look at it and be able to give you an answer. If it's sloppy and they need to keep asking you for stuff, of course, that's going to take a lot longer. So. The, the better you communicate, the, the quicker they're going to be able to communicate. So a couple days, they're going to be able to come with the term sheet. Now, that doesn't mean that term sheet is something you're going to want to work with. Okay, so you might, you might be shopping a few different lenders. So we might be shopping a local bank. We might be shopping a mortgage broker. We might be looking at what our different options are. We get a couple of term sheets we can negotiate or even a lot of times the mortgage broker. So most of what I the world I play in, I'm dealing with a mortgage broker, right? And they're oftentimes going to send me two, maybe even three term sheets, or maybe we're not getting to the full term sheet. We're likely not getting to the full term sheet, but two or three different kind of scenarios like, hey, this lender will do this for you. And this lender will do this for you. This lender will do this for you. Like, here's your choices. Which one do you like the best? And we might be able to negotiate that a little bit from them. We get that term sheet. And then the term sheets really important to be able to look at, go through, and make necessary changes to. Because believe it or not, the lender is looking out for themselves, not for you. So you want to make sure that you look at that term sheet and you highlight anything and change anything that you want changed. It is negotiable. Now, if their interest rate is at, you know, 4.5% and you bring it down to 2.5, probably not quite negotiable, right? Uh, If they are going to give you a a 20-year term, you cross it out and tell them you want a a 30-year term, Mm, Maybe, but probably not negotiable. Maybe they'll go up to 25, you know, so there's certain things that are completely negotiable, but within reason. Right. Um, but even, even beyond the, the terms and the, you know, the, the, the numbers, there's other things in there too, that you might want to, you know, be aware of. So.
0: Yeah, when I first started in real estate, I was surprised at how varied that what banks can give you. One bank uh, versus another bank, you, you really need to shop around because yeah. not all banks are going to give you a good deal.
1: Uh, yep, yep, Matt. Especially when you're dealing with these local banks, right? These local banks, not all are created equal, and some, quite frankly, might give you a little worse terms, but are easier and better to work with. So you might say, you know what, I'm willing to work with them. And so you kind of got to play that out, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. And so right now I've got some senior uh, housing under contract and we are working with several lenders on that. And the variation between the lenders is, is very vast, you know, so one lender is at 20 year amortization. That's the best they'll do. And they're at 4.5% interest. I got another lender that's at a uh, 25 year am and they're at 3.6% interest mm. and they'll lock it in even for 10 years. And the other one will only lock it in for five. So that's a big difference as far as what I can achieve. And for me, I had to look at that and go, well, that's the bank I want to do business with. There was too much. Oh, and they'll do 80% loan to value versus the other one will do 75% loan to value. Uh, There's so much equity sitting there in this property that I would like to do 80%. Not always do I care about that, especially. Um, And even the 20 versus 25, sometimes I don't care about that because the cash flow is really good and I'd rather pay the loan off more aggressively. Um, The interest rate, of course, is a big thing, no matter what.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a no-brainer between those two different options. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned about negotiation, uh how do you negotiate lower term or like better terms for yourself? Uh
1: well, you can uh, I I like to actually have conversations with them. Mm-hmm. I like to uh, you know I like to have a, a phone conversation, tell them what I'm what I'm getting. That's the nice thing about actually getting multiple quotes is we can say, look, you know, I've got some other banks that are willing to willing to give me uh 3.6% interest. You know, I like I want to deal with you. I like your bank. I'm, I'm even willing to, you know, pay 25% down payment. They're willing to do a 20%, but I'm willing to take the 25. If you lock me in for 10 years at 3.6%, you know, and, and they might say yes or no. What a lot of times what their job is. So what, what most of the time their job is or what their job is, not most of the time that this is what it is is you're dealing with somebody who's kind of on the sales side right their job is to bring in mortgages and then present it to the board present it to the main decision makers in the bank so what they are going to do is they're going to take your modified term sheet so We'll talk. We'll maybe mark it up. We'll go through our wish list, and so they're going to take that modified term sheet and they're going to bring it to the board and say, "Hey, here's this loan. This is a this is a loan I think we really need to consider and do, but here's what he needs to do this loan," and then they're going to say yes or no for that. So you know that's that's kind of the, how that process goes. So it's not necessarily the the person you're dealing with that's working on the mortgage. But it's the decision makers behind the scenes. Now that person that you're dealing with has influence, and again, that's the important part of having this communication really good, having your business plan really spelled out. You know, really having those all the numbers, everything for them. Having a bio for yourself, having a relationship with that bank already, if it's possible. Um, telling them, look, I'm, you know, look, I understand you guys want. to... You'll want to make sure I'm a strong buyer, I will make sure we keep our business account in your bank at all times. And we will keep a reserve, the, our reserve account with your bank at all times. That makes them feel comfortable because now you've got deposits. Now you strengthen their lending limit. Um, so there's things you can do too, especially when working with local banks to help strengthen that relationship.
0: And other things you can negotiate that include uh, interest-only payments and yeah. uh, reduced closing costs. Is there any other terms that you can negotiate on?
1: Well, you know, prepayment penalties, mm-hmm. um, the amount of the amount of uh, reserves that you might have to bring to the table when we're dealing with syndications, the amount that the general partner has to bring to the table. A lot of times, these lenders. Especially when you're talking like a bridge lender, what they want to see is 15, maybe even 20% from the general partnership. So you can negotiate that down say, no, as a general partnership, we're going to bring in only 10%. You know, So that, that might be something you have to or want to negotiate. Um, it could be the, the fees on an extension. If you have to do, especially when we're talking again, bridge lenders, we have an extension fee, could negotiate that. Um, what else is there? I mean, there's, there's all kinds of little things too, that we can, we can scratch out and make sure, you know, we do uh, that's, that's going to benefit us. I, I'm having a, a blank here at the top of my head, but I'd have to look at a term sheet.
0: Yeah. I think the, the thing about this negotiation is if you don't ask, then the answer is automatically going to be no. So it doesn't hurt to at least try.
1: Yeah. And sometimes, you know, especially when we're dealing with like agency or a bridge, we ask what the non-negotiables are up front before we start even trying to cross things out. Because if there's certain things that are just non-negotiables for them, why, why try to stir the pot on it? And also there might be some stuff for us that's non-negotiable. So we're going to cross that out and tell them like, look, this is non-negotiable for us. If you can't, if you can't work this then we have to move on to a different lender. So, for,
0: for our listeners, would you describe the differences between like a bridge loan versus agency?
1: Yeah, I, that, that yeah, very, very good. I'm glad you asked that actually. Uh, so, yeah, so you've got, um, Let's start with your local bank. So you got your local bank loan. Uh, local banks can do just a straight conventional, where they're doing, let's call it a 20 to 25 percent down payment. You're locking in usually between 20 and 25 year amortization, and uh, your interest is, you know, just a. I mean, it's, it's market, it's, it's, you know, right now today, as we timestamp it, we're between 3.5 to 4.5 is what you're seeing in most local banks. Uh, they're typically only locking in for about a, a five-year up to 10-year term on that amortization, you know, on that schedule. And then it resets to market. Um, those are personally guaranteed almost all the time. There might be some carve-outs to where once the debt service, um, or sorry, once the once the LTV hits a certain level, that that you're no no longer recourse, but um, or no longer full recourse, but typically they're they're full recourse loans. Did I say non-recourse at first? They're full recourse loans. So meaning you sign on the debt, and if you default, they can come after other assets that you own. That's scary. That's a, a little scary, but just don't default. Yeah. Okay. The costs way cheaper than when we start to talk about these other, other loans, you, you're paying an origination fee, which is negotiable. That's anywhere between a quarter to up to 1%. But I you typically, I typically, especially if we're in a bigger loan, I'm, I'm paying a half or, or less. Uh, and then you've got very few other fees. So your closing costs are going to be depends on the loan size, but you know, anywhere between, you know, maybe 1% up to, you know, two, 3% if you got a smaller loan, but uh, typically you're not paying a lot in, in closing fees. Uh, the next thing we've got is kind of the, you're outside of your local banks and that's going to be Bridge loans, we'll talk multifamily. So we got bridge loans, we've got Fannie Freddie, we've got HUD, we got CMBS. Those are gonna be uh, a lot more expensive. So we're talking like three to five, maybe even larger percent depending again, how big the the loan is. The bigger the loan, the the less the fees as a percentage wise. But we're talking 1% origination fee, sometimes higher. We're talking, uh, you're gonna have to get your phase- phase one environmental, you're going to have to have, make sure you have a survey. Um, you know, the appraisal, of course, appraisals on both sides. Um, no matter what you do, you're going to have to get an appraisal. Um, you got a ton of legal fees I mean, the fees are heavy, you know? So, so there's, there's big fees on, let's call it a, a $10 million deal. Your, your, your closing costs are going to be probably three to 400,000. Uh, to close that deal where a local bank might be a hundred thousand. So big difference. Um, the, the bridge loan is meant for a, a construction project. And quite frankly, the local banks will do bridge type loans, right? They'll do, they'll do a construction loan. Uh, so they'll do a very similar loan. Uh, but again, it's full recourse and it might be a little bit different setups, so it may not work. And, and bridge loans like bigger lending lending sizes. So they're going to do a 10, 20, $30 million bridge loan. They like those loans. Quite frankly, if they do a smaller loan, they're going to charge you arm and a leg for them. So your bridge loan is uh, interest only. It's typically a two or three year interest only term. And then usually you have at least one extension, maybe two extensions uh, possible for that. And those are usually one-year extensions. And usually you have to pay an extension fee, anywhere from a half a percent to one percent is what I've seen. And... So they're, they're uh, short-term loans. I, you know, if we get a three year with two extensions, that's five years and you have to have your construction done by five years. You have to be able to refinance within five years or sell. If you don't, well, they have the right to come after you for, you know, for that money and take your property potentially. Um, those are, you're paying a little bit higher interest rate on, on them. Right now, the the environment is super competitive. So as we speak, uh, a bridge loan, you're you're not seeing much difference between what you can get in the traditional market, and what you can get for bridge. So you're seeing that three and a half to four and a half percent right now. Okay, traditionally, what you're seeing is, uh, I guess we've traditionally seen over the last, let's say six to seven years, more like five to 7%, okay? We're just seeing really low interest rates right now. So usually it's LIBOR plus a certain uh, certain amount. So oftentimes the interest is on a sliding scale. So as LIBOR changes, your interest rate changes, okay? So you're never locked in. We usually have a rate cap, that we have to buy, that we're actually forced to buy oftentimes. Okay. So that's another expense and that can get expensive, 30, 40, $60,000 to buy those rate caps. And what that does is it caps your rate. So you won't pay over a certain rate, um, whatever that rate cap buys you. Okay. Um, oftentimes we can get of loan to cost. And we're talking complete costs, sometimes even. So sometimes we're even talking our closing costs. So if we have $300,000 in closing costs, they'll actually lend you 80% of that. Okay. So you don't have to pay for that. So um, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. That, that, that can be very nice. It's a great way to get into a property that has a bit higher renovation that does it that doesn't fit the box for more traditional uh, type asset? So next, we'll talk about those. So traditional type assets, we're talking something that's well occupied, stabilized, running nice and smooth. So we're talking a property that's got ninety percent occupancy or better. That um, that just has a strong collection history, a strong strong rent history. Um, that doesn't have a ton of deferred maintenance. It could, it could need some updates, right? Could could have maybe it's last been remodeled in 1985, but it doesn't have to have those updates, right? It can still maintain them, the, the current rents, and it can still maintain the current occupancy without you. Replacing cabinets without you replacing flooring, without you doing your renovation, right? So that's your traditional property, and that's where you can get agency debt. That's Fannie, Freddie, CMBS, HUD. You can get those types of loans on them. Okay, again, they're expensive to originate. They're going to still cost you that that you know, let's call it three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars at two, three, maybe four uh, percent. Typically about three. Is what is what we see, um. But they're great loans. They'll only lend on the purchase price. They might lend a little bit on some some deferred, but but it's not for a big capex budget. Okay, so they'll typically lend seventy five percent, maybe go up to eighty percent. Um, oftentimes. Well, always it's based on the debt service coverage ratio. Okay. So the debt service coverage ratio, what they want to see is a cover of 1.25. What that means, Matt, is that your income is 1.25 times greater than your mortgage expense.
0: And that's your net operating
1: income. Correct. Correct. Your net operating income. So that does not include debt service is 1.25 times greater than your debt service payments. Okay. So that's what they're looking for in that. Uh, With bridge, you can get by with way less than that. Okay. You can get by with a one. You can buy with sometimes less than one, depending on if they like your business plan or not. With bridge, it's a lot more important to sell your business plan than with agency debt. They want to see that the property is performing. They want to see that you can perform, but... They don't care as much about your business plan, okay. So these types of loans are, you know, they're they're going to be thirty year on the amortization. They're going to be uh, locked in for up to fifteen years, uh, some, you know, and that's that's something that you can decide how long you want to lock it in at. Uh, you're going to get your best interest rates right now. You're talking in into the into the low threes, okay.
0: So when would you choose to go for one type of loan versus the other?
1: Yeah, honestly, it just depends on your business plan and, and uh, what works with your underwriting too. So you've got to decide, and what works for the property, right? We talked Fannie, Freddie. I mean, if your property is 80% occupied, they're just not even an option. But let's say your property is 93% occupied. Well, do we do bridge? Mm, I mean, maybe. But if we're doing a lighter renovation, probably doesn't make sense. We have to bring that renovation out of pocket into the property if we're not doing a bridge. So we do have to raise a little bit more money. But if it's only like a $5,000 renovation, it's probably not worth to do bridge. But if it's a $20,000 or $15,000 per unit renovation, that might make sense to do bridge, especially if we're going to create some destabilization, Matt. So What If our plan is to change the tenant profile uh, of the property, maybe we're going from 93% to 81%, okay, or even lower. Well, agency is no longer a good option for that because they're not going to like that. They're not going to be happy and they're going to be pressing you to get that occupancy up really, really quickly. So they wouldn't be a good option for that. Um, you also, we, we haven't talked about, um, HUD and HUD is a little, even longer term, you can get 35 years for that and you can lock in for 35 years. Mm -hmm. And so that's a whole different animal for a product. And we, I I don't need to go through all the details on that. A lot of similar terms to Fannie Freddie, uh, with some different nuances, uh, as well. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of cool products out there. Understand what they are. You don't need to be a complete expert in all, all of them, but understand uh, what types of tools you like to use, what your strategy is. And debt can be a huge positive or a huge negative. So make sure you're aware of the types of debt you're you're, you're getting. I'm dealing now with SBA, Matt, with uh, the senior assisted living deals. Uh, we're looking at some SBA loans for those and we can get with the SBA, we can get up to 85%. The SBA will lock them in for 25 years, lock them in for the entire 25 years and their interest rates are under 3% right now. Ooh, nice. So Very nice. You know. Yeah. That, that, that's a, an exciting uh, potential product there that we're looking at for some of our deals right now. Nice. Great. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's financing in, in a nutshell. Obviously there's a lot more detail. I think the, the one of the cool parts about dealing with these mortgage brokers and multifamily and even the, your, your banker is they will do some homework for you. They will verify some of your numbers. They're going to be looking to make, make sure that you can actually, you know, Get the rents you're getting. They're going to make sure that your expenses are where they should be and in line. And and you can actually send these deals to the mortgage broker before you even write on the offer. Okay. Before you you write write an LOI, feel free to have them take a look at it, especially if it's a property you're very, very serious about and you think you have a really good chance of getting. Send it over to them, say, hey, here's a property I'm looking for. What do you think I should be getting for rates and terms? What do you think this is? Do you think this is a, a deal worth pursuing? They will look at it and they will communicate with you on, on those. And that can be another set of eyes, which is super helpful. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. And
0: I know sometimes you need to have a high net worth, or high net worth individual uh, you know, kind of co-sign loan. How often does that happen?
1: I'm glad you you said that because I kind of totally glazed over that. The local banks typically don't require the net worth and liquidity. They will a little bit. I mean, they're going to definitely look at you. Um, and if you don't have any experience and, and you don't have any money, they're going to have a tough time lending to you. If you're talking Fannie, Freddie, CMBS, um, HUD, even Bridge, they're definitely going to look at what you've got going on. So they're going to look at a, your experience. Do you have any multifamily experience? Have you done this type of deal before? If the answer is no, you're probably gonna to need to bring in what's called a KP, a key principle, somebody to help sign on the debt for you. Now, the good thing is they're non-recourse. And so a lot more people are willing to sign on a non-recourse loan, okay? They're gonna require some sort of equity, right? Typically, we're seeing anywhere between 10 and 15% of the general partnership, maybe up to 20% depending on the risk. The other thing that they're looking for, so experience is one. Number two is they they want to see that you have net worth typically equal to or greater than the loan amount. So if the loan is 10 million, is your net worth 10 million? And you and your partners and everybody signing on the loan. And then the last thing they want to see is they want to see that you have enough liquid capital. In your bank accounts, uh, your your stock accounts, you know that's something that you can get to quickly. Uh, not a four hundred one k, something that you get to quickly. They want to see that you have typically a year's worth. Um, you you can get by with less nine months worth of principal and interest payments. So, know. so that can get difficult, right? If we're talking you know, you got a, a $15 million loan. Well, you have to have a, a net worth of $15 million. Your mortgage payments uh, for a year. I mean, I, you know, without doing the math, I mean, maybe your mortgage payments for a year are a million dollars. Uh, you have to have a million dollars worth of liquid capital or close to it. And that can be difficult. So a lot of times we do have to bring in KPs for that type of that type of stuff. Yeah, now, a lot of, I, a lot of details here. Here's the cool thing, Matt let's just say I, I do a deal and it's a $5 million loan. I've got the $5 million net worth and I do, and, and I've got the, the $300,000 in liquid capital. So the, the lender says, hey, we're good. We do that $5 million loan. Three days later, we got a, a, another $5 million loan. Well, I don't have $10 million maybe in, in net worth and I maybe don't have $600,000 in my bank account, but guess what? I have five and I have three and that's all that matters because we've got, they're two different loans. So we could we could conceivably close on you know one deal after another with the same amount of capital. Cool. Okay, nice. yeah. So that's cool. I was actually looking at at a portfolio deal, and it was a large portfolio. And in in it of itself, like I could not have qualified by myself for all of those properties in one big loan. Right. It was a 50 plus million dollar purchase. I don't have a net worth of, of that. And I didn't have the liquid capital and stuff like that. So I wouldn't have in itself been able to qualify for that, but each property individually, I was able to qualify for. So what we could have done on this, it was six properties. I think it was six or seven. Each property I could have, we could have done a separate loan for, and I could have qualified, and we would have actually combined a couple, um, and so it would have been just fine. Even though I'm lending on the same amount because they're individual loans, I still qualify. So that's a creative
0: way to take down a, a big
1: portfolio. Yeah, yeah, you got to make things work, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot lot more little details we can go through, but, uh, you know, just to save time, I think uh, we should probably wrap up. Sounds good. All right, Matt. Well, that's Lending. You have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day Saturday. Thanks. You do.